are talking about the upside down kingdom. And I'm really going to be introducing this in a big way over the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to spend weeks after that digging into this idea of the upside down kingdom. We are focusing our entire year on the person and the red letters, the teaching of Jesus Christ, right? Right? That's right. That's what we're doing. Because our goal is that as we study who he is, as we study his teachings, that we begin to be conformed into his image. All right, there's two people. Anybody else? Right? Right? That we be conformed into the image of who Jesus is. And, uh, and my prayer is that we not just be followers of Jesus. There were a lot of followers of Jesus. Y'all know that, right? There were. That we're not just deciders. Well, I decided Jesus was good. No. My prayer is that we become disciples, not deciders. True disciples of, of Jesus Christ, all right? And the truth is, matter of fact, hey, did y'all get your notes? Oh, did you get your notes? Then pull out your notes or pull out somebody's arm right on their arm. It'll be okay, all right? But write, write this down. Being a disciple is about committing to a different kind of kingdom. I thank God for the country I live in. I've been a lot of other places around the world, and I love where we are. Yeah, it's jacked up and we got problems, right? I get it, all right? But, but we are, ble- I thank God, but can I just tell you very clearly, the reason I don't talk a lot about political stuff, I just keep saying, look at the Bible, look at the Bible, look at the Bible, because my opinion on political stuff means nothing. There you go. The only thing that matters is what the Word says, not my opinion. And here's another reason. And it took me a long time to get here. I love where I live, but I am not a citizen of the United States of America. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. But that should make me a better citizen of the United States. Come on, right? But my allegiance is to a higher kingdom. Now, I'll do all I can to support and love the nation I live in. But, but my, my, I believe God has called us to be a part of a bigger kingdom. Come on, right? Part of something much, much bigger. And Jesus talked about this a lot. He used the words like the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right? When he was talking, you read all the red letters, a lot of those were, and he would, he would do things like, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would say something totally weird, right? The kingdom of God is like, and then he would say something in the kingdom of God, the first is going to be last, and the last is going to be first. And you go, okay. Right? In the kingdom of God, the greatest among you is the servant. Right? I mean, he said all of these things that on the surface seem so weird and a little bit backwards. He says things like, if you really want to live, you got to learn to die. What? What What are you talking about? You know? And it seems 
upside down because it really is very countercultural. It just seems backwards. It really does. I'm just being honest. Um, and you read things like, matter of fact, are y'all ready to read some scripture? Are you? All right, let's read some scripture. In Luke 6, he says this. This is Jesus talking, right? He says, he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples, and Jesus said, here's what he said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be what? Filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. <laughs> Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you. Remember that, exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Ain't nobody leaping. Rejo it says, rejoice in that day. Now, everybody stand up and asleep. No, I'm just kidding, all right? You'd be like, what? No, he says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner, your fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you're going to be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. Everybody say now. For you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your neighbor, do good to those who hate you. Boy, that's backwards. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, go ahead and give him the rest of your clothes. Huh. Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, don't ask for them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That is weird. Let's just be honest. Don't be churchy here today. Right? So much of that is like, what? That's not normal. Right? I mean, normal is I deserve better than the way they treated me. Come on. I, I mean, normal, it's just like, what? In the world, what are you talking about? This is actually um, two times in the Bible, kind of interesting. Two times in the Bible, Jesus preaches the same message. Two different times. One is in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Three chapters that's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Right? Right? Come on, right? And then he preaches it again. Some say this was just a, a, a recap, but, but most theologians agree that he actually preached the same message a second time. One time says he went up on the mountain and preached. Another time says he came down from the mountain and he preached. The crowd was waiting and he preached to them. Um, it's interesting that Matthew was the long version. Luke, uh, who was a doctor, uh, he actually wrote 
the, the kind of the summarized version of the message, uh, okay? So it was the shorter of the two. Um, there's a lot of theories about why he preached from the mountain. Uh, there, I know Don Kelly's been to this area around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus preached this message. And, and it's like this perfect amphitheater where he can talk and everybody hear him. But I read a couple of theologians that their idea, I think, is very interesting. Their idea was that the reason Jesus preached from up on the mountain is that he was introducing a brand new kind of kingdom. And the reason that was important is that historically, multiple kingdoms, multiple administrations before Jesus had built their, their kingdom and their kingdom got, their administration got traction while hiding out in those mountains above the Sea of Galilee. And then when it got really rolling, they would walk into the city and take over. All right? So it was common for the revolutionaries to build a new agenda in these mountains. Jesus was there to introduce a brand new type of kingdom. Now here's the thing. All the kingdoms that had been introduced from that same spot for hundreds of years before that, all of those kingdoms, the bottom line is, everybody said they had a great new idea, but all their great new ideas was really just a tweak on the old kingdom. The old kingdom focused on this, we're going to focus on that, you know, and it was all, it was really... <laughs> The new administration just kind of changed a little bit of the old, but nothing really changed. As I was reading that, I was like, wow, that is so today. Right? It's just a brand new idea on the same old, same old. Come on. Right? And that's what was happening. Then Jesus comes along and introduces this kingdom that is so weird. That is so upside down from every other kingdom that had ever been introduced in that place. You know? And, and I want to show you a little bit of the contrast as we start digging into this. Because here's the thing. Every kingdom... Um, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. I love this stuff. Every kingdom and every administration that has ever been on the planet have three things in common. All of them have three things in common. Uh, all right? And so you guys write down the number one thing. All right? There, every kingdom has three things. The first thing is every kingdom has a pattern of values. Everybody say that with me. A pattern of values. Oh, come on. A pattern of values. All right. In other words, every kingdom had things that they said, this is what's most important. And the way you know it's most important is there was a pattern of doing it. Right? Come on. We're going to focus. It's kind of, let me help you. Here's kind of how that works. Uh, it's kind of like a coach. How many of you know every coach has their own pattern of values? Every coach has something that is most important to them. Some coaches, they come in and the first thing they do is say, okay, we're going to focus, our value is we're going to focus on conditioning. It's all about conditioning. We're all going to get in shape. We're going to work hard. We are going to condition. The next coach comes in and says, okay, it's all about the passing game. Right? Are y'all following me? Y'all are way too quiet. Shake your head. Do something, right? So, so, so the next coach is like, it's all about the passing game. It's all about defense. We are going to implement these patterns because what I value is we're going to build a wall that nobody can run through. Right? Right? So 
to every government, every system, there's always a pattern of values. What do we value? What do we value? What's important to us? All right, then the next thing is every kingdom has a power. In other words, there is some weight behind the values that's going to make the values happen. Uh, again, like with a coach, the coach says, we are conditioning. If you're not working out and running at these times, the weight behind that is you don't get to play. Come on, right? If you're gonna, if you're, if you, you, you're gonna, your values are gonna become my values, or you don't get to participate. All right, you don't get to do it. So, so there's a power, or there's a weight behind whatever it is, and so the power pushes the pattern of values. And write this down. It's so simple, but it's it's big if you can grab a hold of it. All right, then it produces a product. When the power pushes the values, what's being produced? What's the end game? When the coach puts his weight behind it and it's all about conditioning, does it produce a winning team? What's the product? What is going to be produced? Every kingdom that's ever been on the planet had values. This is what's important to us. There was a power that implemented the values. Then, then you sat back and watched what was produced. What did it do? Are y'all are with me? Can I just say this? You should take this, these three things right here and apply it to your family. Apply it to your marriage. Apply it to your kids. What do I value? What kind of weight do I put behind the value? And then what is it producing? Because I wish I'd had that 35 years ago. I'd have saved myself a lot of heartache. Any other guy in the room? Right? If I had thought about, okay, what do I really value? All right, how much weight am I willing to put behind that? And then if I put weight behind my values, because here's the thing. Some of us never think about what we value. We just do. And when we just do, and then it goes terribly awry, and we produce something we didn't want to produce, we go, what happened? Say amen or oh me or something, right? I mean, I, I mean it's just, it's true. It's true, you know? And, and so that is a great, that's a, that's a great model for so many areas of our life. It really is. As the power is implemented, what does it produce? What does the power pushing the values, what does it produce? All right, so if you go back and look at the verses we just read, the first part of that actually shows us the power, or, or actually shows us the values, the power, and the product of the kingdom of God. That's what it talks about first. We read it. Then the next few verses, verses 24 through 26, actually talks about the values of the kingdom of this world, the powers of the kingdom of this world, and what it produces. I want to show it to you because it's so cool if you can grab hold of it. But you got to understand this truth. And I want you to write this down because it is so true. There are only two real kingdoms that are active and alive on the earth today. There are only two kingdoms that are active and alive on the earth today. Only two. And I'm not sure we believe that. But it's true. It doesn't matter what country you live in, what culture you live in, 
you are a part of one kingdom or the other. And if you don't believe it, then you don't believe the words of Jesus. It's not my opinion. Jesus only gave us two kingdoms that we could be a part of. Here's what's amazing. Here's what's amazing. Is that I get to choose what kingdom I'm a part of. I'm born into the kingdom of this world. I am born into, Jesus even called it the kingdom of darkness. I'm born into it. Right? I'm just born into it. I am automatically a citizen of the kingdom of this world. <laughs> but I have the opportunity to choose to be a king, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And that's awesome. That my citizenship gets changed. Matter of fact, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I encourage you to, to I want to just read it to you and just think about this. Paul says this, God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Isn't that good? He has rescued us out of the kingdom of darkness and has put us into the kingdom of his dear son. I am either a citizen of one or the other. All right. So look at somebody and say, wake up because here we go. All right. This is important where I'm going next. All right. We're going to read in Romans. And uh, how many of you know who this book was written to? Who was it written to? Here's a hint right here. They were in Rome. Who was it in Rome? It was the Christians in Rome. Now, as we read this, I want you to hear me. This was not written to those sinners out there that need to change. <laughs> See, we are so good at throwing God's word on all those people. Because as long as I'm looking at those people, I don't look so bad. Come on, right? Right? These words that we're getting ready to read were written to the church at Rome. Christians at Rome. And look at what he was telling Christians. What he's telling us today. Look at it. He says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of what? Light. Light. Let us believe, behave decently as in the what? Daytime. Daytime. That's right. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in, come on, somebody say it. What does it say? Dissension, oh, and jealousy, not in those things. Rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. It's interesting, the, the uh, King James Version, he says, he says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. It's dawn. The night's almost over. The day is almost here. And that's called dawn. It's dawn. You know, this morning, uh, about 5.30, I was up drinking coffee um, and, and looking at where, I, where we live, I get to watch the sunrise, right? And, and I don't know if you realize it. Some of you are like, no, I don't know it, and I'm never going to realize. But right now, between 5.30 and 6 o'clock is dawn. You're like, really? That happens? Yes, it does, all right? All right? Now, here's what hit me this morning as I was watching. About 5.30, you start seeing the sky get a little bit light. Right? There's no sun yet, but it starts lighting up. 
Here's the interesting thing about dawn. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. At dawn, it's not nighttime anymore, and it's not daytime yet. At dawn, it's actually both. It's day and night at the same time. That's what he's talking about here. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, he says this, the night's almost over. The day's almost here. It is dawn. It's not nighttime, and it's not daytime. And then he goes on to say, but live like it's daytime. Isn't that what he said? But live like it's daytime. Live like you're living in the daytime. It's not daytime yet. It's, it's dawn. It's, it's dawn. You're like, why, why is that important? I read in one, one theologian, one commentary, he, ever, he actually said this. I'm just going to read a little piece of it to you. Let this soak in. He said, what this means is that we can be a citizen of the kingdom of God. But if you're not careful, you can still live under the pattern and the power of the old kingdom. I'm no longer a citizen of the dark. Come on, anybody in the room? You are no longer a citizen of the dark, right? But we aren't in heaven yet where it's fully light. Is that making sense yet? We live today in the dawn. Come on. We're no longer in the dark, but we don't fully see the light. It's dawn. And at dawn, I can choose to live. I mean, I, I'm no longer a part of the kingdom of darkness. Anybody in the room? Right? But guess what? If I'm not careful, that's why he says, whoa, whoa. Because if you're not careful, you'll live like you still live under the kingdom of darkness. And he's like, no, choose to live like you're part of the kingdom of light. Choose to live in his kingdom, not in the kingdom of, of darkness. All right? All right. I, I, I want to I show you something, and I'm going to have to hurry to get through with this uh, and not keep you too long. All right? Um, I'm going to finish our last little bit together and just show you a few things about the kingdom of this world. And the question then is, what kingdom am I truly living under? Am I choosing to still live in the dark? Or am I, I'm a citizen of the light, but am I choosing to live in the dark? Or am I living in, in the light? All right? So, um, every kingdom always puts what's important at the top. Even your household kingdom. Whatever is important to you is what, what you value, your pattern of value is always what's on top. If I value family, then my money, my time will show it. Are y'all with me? Right? Right? So what I value, we always put on top. And then in the kingdoms of this world, the, the kingdoms we live in, the, 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 the important things are on the top. And then as you go down the list, the less important things wind up on the bottom of the list. And if I get to it or if I do it, fine. If I don't, we can discard it. All right? It's very similar. It just makes sense to us. We live that way. All right? But here's the thing. I want to show you something. This is the kingdom of the world. This is how it works. On top is the king or the ruler, right? 
then under the ruler or the king are the governors, the legislators, the, you know, the, the important people. Then you have the middle class people. And then way down here at the bottom are the needy, the marginalized, right, the poor. All of that is here. And in the world's kingdoms, and sometimes in my kingdom, if I'm not careful, all of this section exist to support this section. If I'm not careful, and in the kingdoms of this world, all the little people exist, all the disposable people, all the margin, all of those exist to support the important people. Come on. The kings, the rulers. But see, it kind of seems right that the important people are on top. But the reason I call the kingdoms of this world the right side up kingdom is not because it's right. It's just the kingdom that makes most sense in our mind. This makes sense in our mind. It's what we've grown up in. It's what the people Jesus was talking to had grown up in. This was normal. This was natural. And Jesus comes along and says, no, that's not the kingdom I'm building. The kingdom I'm building looks like that. The kingdom I'm building has the king on the bottom. He said it himself. He said, he said, I didn't come to, ser- to be served, but to what? But to serve. It doesn't matter that I'm the son of God. I came to give my life as a ransom for all of these. And we read it. We just read it in Romans that what he was saying was the important people down here, they in my kingdom All the important people, they exist to help the poor, the needy, the marginalized. See, in the kingdom of God, all of those people are on top. All of those people are up here. It's exactly upside down from the culture. And then the king is not supported and held up by like, like in this one, the king is being supported and held up by all the little people. No, in the kingdom of God, the king is holding everybody. He is the source and the strength of the kingdom. It's upside down. Isn't that cool? I love this. If we can just let it seek in. Because every, every kingdom, every kingdom, we read it already, and I'm going to run through these very quickly. Every kingdom actually consists of three, or, or of four types of things, or three types of things. Remember, what was it? We already, we already talked about it. What was it? A pattern, everybody say pattern of values, and a what? A power and a product. Well, what is the values of the kingdom of this world? We read it. We read it. We're going to read it very, very quickly uh, uh, again. He says this, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your reward, one translation says. Woe to you who are full, for you're going to be hungry. Woe to you who laugh. Oh, come on. Laugh when? Now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Write this down. The kingdoms of this world, what they value is the first thing that he mentioned there is power. The kingdom of this world values power. All right? Everybody say it. Power. 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 Um, 
we read that and it says, well, that, that woe to you who are rich. That is not talking about the rich like what we think about is rich. I've said this and I'll say it again and again and again. God doesn't mind you being rich. Oh, come on. He doesn't mind you being rich. He doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want your stuff to have you. <laughs> right? And that word there is literally translated because in that culture, they were the rich were the rulers. They were the rulers. They were the power of the nation. Uh, all right? So, so the kingdoms of this world value power, bow, control. Uh, all right? And then the next thing, like I said, we're going to do this quickly. Uh, he talked, Jesus said it right above. It's comfort. The kingdoms of this world is all about comfort. It's all about comfort. He says, you are well fed now. You're well fed, but one day you're going to be hungry. You know, I mean, you value comfort. You value comfort. You value the nice stuff as most important. It's okay to have nice clothes. It just can't be most important. It can't be at the top of our list. You know, power can't be at the top of our list. It's, it's not the way, not the way it works. And then he says this, the, the next thing that the kingdoms of this world value is accomplishment or success. That's what drives the kingdoms of this world. It's all about accomplishment. It's all about success. It's interesting. You say, where is that in the scripture we just read? Well, you, you remember we, we read where he says, you will laugh now? Oh, we got to reread that. We, you will laugh now? That word laugh in the Greek, also the same word translates as gloat. As gloat. What, what he's saying is, it, it, it's kind of this picture of, look at my accomplishments compared to your nothing. He said, you gloat now. You, you put down, like, like the most important thing in your life is accomplishment. The most important thing in life is success. You may have it now. You may gloat now. And then the last thing that he mentions there is celebrity or popularity. That, that the values of the kingdoms of this world... It is all about power. It's all about comfort. It's all about accomplishment and success and celebrity and popularity. It, it, it's all about, and, and here's where he says that. He says, all these men speak well of you now. You're popular now. You're, you're popular now, you know. See, in the kingdoms of this world, we just want we want to be famous. You know, so many are driven by, I, I just want to be the next TikTok star. I just want to be the next Facebook blow up, you know, whatever. I just want to, I just need my, and, and, and we, we can laugh about it. But there are people in this room that are consumed with what others think about them. Of every age. And he's saying, if that's what you value most, we need to talk about it. If being popular and famous, if having your 15 minutes of fame is worth everything to you, we need to talk about it. What kingdom are you really a part of? If you're part of the kingdom of this world, then absolutely it makes sense. Hmm. Man, we got quiet. I don't know. And Jesus introduces this kingdom. We're not talking about it today. 
But he introduces this kingdom that is exactly the opposite. Instead of power, (laughs) he celebrates servanthood. That's what's at the top of the list. Instead of comfort, he celebrates sacrifice. Instead of look at me and what I've done, it's how can I make you successful? That's the kingdom of God. Instead of me having my few minutes of of fame, it's how can I help the excluded, the marginalized, those that can't help themselves. See, there's nothing wrong With God giving you some influence. There's nothing wrong with comfort. There's nothing wrong with riches. There's nothing wrong with accomplishment and success. I am one of those. I am so driven. I love accomplishing stuff. I do. I love it. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with, with people thinking well of you. There's nothing wrong with that. But if this is what you build your kingdom on, he is saying, and he said it over and over, whoa, slow down. I feel sorry for you. If that's because the bottom line is that will never be enough. That will never, ever be enough. It just will not. And here's what I want you to write down, and we are, we are, we are going to wind it up, I promise. All right? Write this down. The, the world's kingdom seems right side up because it's all about now. The kingdoms of this world seem to be the right thing because it's all about now. It's all about now. It, it, it is it is. In the kingdom of this world, let me just shoot straight with you. You can have success now. Come on. Anybody believe that? You can have success now. You can have power now. In the kingdom of this world, you can have popularity now. It pays off now. In the kingdoms of this world, now is all that matters. Because... In the kingdom of this world, there may not be a later. (laughs) So now is all that matters. Now is all that is real. The rulers of darkness would say, go grab all you can now. Do whatever it takes to make you happy now. Because now is all you have. And can I just tell you, if this world is all there is, then absolutely go grab it all right now. I'm serious. Go live it up now. I mean, go go do, I mean, he made the list, but go do it all now. But what if this world is just a vapor? What if this world is just a shadow of what's to come? I I should have put this on your notes, but I'm going to read it because I really believe this was the Lord. Think about it like this. What if this life is really the investment strategy for eternity? (laughs) What if this world is the investment strategy for eternity? What if that's what it is? Then now is not as important. Come on. Right? I can be hungry now. Jesus said it, not me. I can be hungry now because I'm going to be filled. I can weep now because I'm going to be happy. I can sacrifice now because... There's something bigger. What does the kingdom of this world produce? 
What is the, the value, the power? What does it produce? Look around. It produces depression, anxiety. Because if I don't get it now, I'm not going to get it. What people think of me now is what's important. Come on, focus in. Right? So it creates worry. It creates pressure. Matter of fact, it's interesting. Do you realize that one study I read said that, that, that the, cel- the, the celebrity, those that have been celebrities, high celebrities, are three times more likely to commit suicide than any other people group. Because what they got now didn't fix it. They got it all now, but it didn't fix it. It is temporary. Actually, if you really start digging into the kingdom of God, it's not nearly as upside down as it looks on the surface. It actually makes a lot of sense. He says, it's okay, it's okay to have some success, but you can't get your value from that success. That's not, that's not who you are. You know, you can have some riches, but riches is not your identity. And here's why. Because if being popular is your number one value, the problem with that is when you make it, In 15 minutes in this culture, somebody else is going to knock you off of the platform. If it's power, the problem is there's always, we got 6,000 years worth of written history that says somebody more powerful is fixing to come along. You know? If If your focus is your body, your beauty. The problem is no matter what you do, eventually it will fade. Now I believe in taking care of your body. I believe your body is a temple of God. But if it becomes your value that everything else flows out of is about how I look, the surgeries I have so I can look this way longer, The problem is, eventually, with all the surgeries and all the right stuff, it will fade. It doesn't last. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's like investing something that's going to last. You invest now. It's kind of like the Dave Ramsey thing, right? If you live like nobody else now, you're going to live like nobody else later. And everybody laughed at him. But there's some truth to that. Jesus in the upside down kingdom is saying, invest in what's going to last. Invest in what's going to last. Because here's the truth. The kingdom of God has benefits now. But they're different. They're benefits like joy and peace, right? But the big payoff, it is later. The big payoff is later. But there's value even now. There's joy and there's peace instead of depression and worry and all that. See, I pray for our country. I pray for our economy. But I don't worry about it. I've not lost one night's sleep about it. And here's why. Because I know I'm a part of a different kingdom. And God's economy to God's people has been proven for 6,000 years. That when everything else falls apart, His people are okay. Right? So, Lord, let us be a part of a kingdom that outlasts all the other stuff. Lord, that our focus would not be that we wouldn't live in the dark. Man, we're part of a new kingdom. That we would live in the light. That we would, (laughs) 
that we would not be under the weight of the old kingdom, but we would walk in the freedom and joy and peace of your kingdom. Yeah, I'm, I've got one question for you. And then the worship team is going to sing, and then at the end, you can stand and sing with them. But I want you just to think about this for just a minute. If someone were to look at my life, what kingdom would they say I'm a part of? What kingdom? Some of us, I know I had to. I had to repent before I could even preach this. Because there's some areas of my life I realized... I was still living some of those areas in the old kingdom. I try and sometimes I don't even realize it. I'm trying to live in both kingdoms. And he's like, no, that's not where it is. You may need to repent. I want you just to take a few minutes and do business with the Holy Spirit. He's here wants to meet with you just ask yourself let him show you are there areas I'm trying to live in both kingdoms and repent and say Lord I know with your help I'm going to live 